And because of that, we've been doing a series of sermons about Jesus. We've just decided we're going to work our way through the four Gospels in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell us the story of Jesus' life. And rather than going Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, then John, we're putting them all together in chronological order. And we're going through Jesus' life and ministry in date order as things happen. Some of the things we're not able to cover because there's so much in there. But we're trying to pick out... The important bits, we've been going for over half a year already in this series, and we will probably continue for quite a uh, time longer, but it's been awesome. I have just so loved getting to see and know Jesus better. The, The Gospels paint such a real picture of Jesus. He's so normal, he's so human, and yet he's full of God. It's the most astounding thing. So, praise the Lord. We are now at the start of the parables. Parables. It's a word, you know, there are quite a few words in the Bible where the English translators took a Greek word or, or a Hebrew word or an Aramaic word from the original language and they thought, what are we going to p- call this word? Oh, we'll just make an English word out of the Greek word. So, baptism is one of them. Parable is another one. Evangelism is another one. They're words where they couldn't think of an English word, so they took the Greek word and they turned it into an English word. And parable just comes from the Greek word that means comparison or to hold two things up next to one another. And Jesus taught in parables. He would hold up a story. He would tell a story like holding up a picture and some of the people in the crowd looked at the story and they saw themselves in the story. Other people heard the story and they went away and they thought, that was a nice story, now I want to go and watch TV. No, they didn't say that. They thought, now I want to go and do something else. But they just ignored what he said. Jesus would hold up a story, but he wouldn't press the point home. What am I saying? I'm saying that if he knew there were people in the crowd, for instance who were rebellious or who were far from God, who were sad or who were needy or whatever. He knew all these things in his spirit. He had a sense of what was going on. But instead of saying, you are proud or you are needy, instead of pushing the point home and really getting in their face, he told a story and allowed them to see themselves in the story. I find that quite interesting. Jesus wasn't the kind of preacher who would... Push you into a corner. You know the hard sell type of salesman who cuts off all your angles of escape until you must do what he wants. Jesus wasn't that kind of preacher. He, he didn't paint them into a corner and push them and, and, and get them in a place where they had to admit, okay, I need God. No, he just held it, told a story. And the very first parable, he tells a story like this. I'm going to read it to you from Matthew 13. He said, behold, a sower went out to sow. So imagine we're there on, the, on a sunny lake shore, the lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. We're sitting there on the shore. Lots of people around. It's a busy day. Uh, lots going on. People coming to learn from Jesus. Jesus actually gets into a boat and, and goes a little bit off the shore because there's so many people and he wants a place where he can speak clearly and everybody can see and hear him. And he just tells this story. Imagine you're in that crowd and all you hear is this story. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, 
And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. And others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then in Luke it says, And then he cried out in a loud voice, after he's told the story, he shouts, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then that's it. He goes on and tells some other stories. But that's it. He doesn't give them the explanation. (laughs) He doesn't push the point home. He doesn't look at someone and point at them and say, you need this one. He just leaves it. Just puts the story out there. And some of them listen to that story and they think, what a silly little story. A sower, a seed, and some's on there, and some's on there, some's a crop. And they go go away and go on with their life, and nothing changes. Others who have ears to hear. And the reason Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, he wasn't saying, do you have two physical ears? No, he was saying, you already have two physical ears, but is your heart listening to God? Please get this point. Jesus was saying, is your heart trying to find God? Because if it is, when I say this parable, you will start to think, hmm, I wonder what he meant by that. I wonder why he said that. You remember the story in Exodus chapter 3. It says Moses was walking along and he saw a bush burning. And Exodus 3 verse 4 says, When he saw the bush burning, he said to himself, I will turn aside and see why is this bush burning. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, Moses, Moses. There's something where God says, I am not going to force you, human, I'm going to let you choose with your own will whether or not you want to follow me. I'm just going to present something a bit like a hook when you're trying to catch a fish with a bit of bait on. If you're interested in God, you'll look further. If you're not, you'll go your own way and I will not force you. Do you like that about God? I love it. I love it. (laughs) I think God is absolutely awesome. That he doesn't, he respects your will. Your human will is so precious that he says, you choose. Don't be like a little child and say, oh, daddy didn't make me do it. You choose whether you want God. I'll just give you a parable that you could ignore. It's a bit like creation. You know, he creates this beautiful world with all this amazing diversity and animals and plants and universes and everything. And he says, I'm not going to force you to believe that I made this. You can make up your own theories about how it came about. But if you want to know God, you'll see me in it. (laughs) Isn't that awesome about God? I think it's fantastic. I think it's absolutely incredible. And I think preachers should be more like Jesus. I think we shouldn't try to bash people into the kingdom. (laughs) We should tell them... A story and let them and every time we preach some will say mm, I want more and others will leave and say what a boring load of rubbish and that's fine <laughs> because it's allowing it's putting some of the responsibility on us to get our hearts soft for the Lord isn't that awesome so let's just talk about this parable for a bit The idea of seed and the idea of soil. Those are the two big ideas in this parable. Jesus tells a story. He says, a sower went out to sow seed. You know Cortez, the great uh, explorer from Spain who invaded South America? 
he found a little plant, a little fruit there called a tomato. And it was a yellowy orange thing and he thought it's nice and all the Aztecs were eating it and he thought maybe. And he took a little bit back with him to Spain in about 1500, just, just a little bit of, of tomato seed with him. And now tomato is by far the most eaten vegetable or fruit in the world. 1.6 trillion tomatoes are eaten every year. I mean, the, the amount of tomatoes that are eaten are just unbelievable. NASA even took some tomato seeds into space with them in, in 1984 to see if they could grow tomatoes in space. I mean, tomatoes are everywhere. I bet you've had tomatoes in the last couple of days. Tomato, everyone eats tomatoes. They're so popular. And it came from a handful of seeds. A handful of seeds. I'm trying to show you the power of a seed. A handful of seeds. How many seeds? I don't know, 10, 20, maybe just one little tomato. And now there are tomatoes everywhere, trillions of them. And you know what's amazing? Is of those, tri of those trillions of tomatoes, the one you ate yesterday, in that tomato there's the potential for someone to take it and go to another place, and trillions more, in one seed. The power of a seed. Are you getting it? Someone has said that it's easy to count how many seeds in an apple, but it's impossible to count how many apples in a seed. You know, God, when He made the world, He made it in such a way that He made seeds with enough Genetic information and life, the, the supernatural life of God in each seed, that it would multiply endlessly and enough diversity that it would fill the planet many, many times over, for thousands, for millions of years. God has put that in one seed. He put so much information in. And Jesus said, the sower, the son of man, sows the word. Every word of God is a seed. It's not just a word. When I pick up the Bible and I read a word, I've just read some words. The sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell in stony places, where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirtyfold. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That is a seed. You know what a seed is? A seed is a little, dry, husky, little looking thing that you could mistake for a pebble. A seed is a little, unattractive thing, tiny and uninteresting and uncolorful and not very attractive at all, and you could just ignore it. But if you think there's something in it, then you take it in and it starts to produce life in you. Unbelievable life. The potential of the life in the Word of God. Every time you and I hear the Word of God, every time it is like a seed that you could just toss aside and say, oh, nah. 
or you could say there is so much potential in here it's more valuable than any university degree it's more valuable than the wisest counselor it's more valuable than the most money in, the, in any bank it's more valuable than any relationship any happiness any experience any drug high anything in this world just pales in comparison to the life in one word from God and how many of us just get words from God I mean we you, on your iPhone, on your app, on your computer, on the radio, you come to church, you hear the words from God are just coming and it's like seeds are just pouring down on us and we let a lot of them just drop off us. But every now and again we take a seed and we say, yes, I want that. I want to find out what's in here. And we take it into our heart and we bury it deep and it starts to produce life. I think only a tiny fraction of the words we hear have we really taken in. And we're seeing life in our in our in our uh, lives because of that, but it could be more. It could be so much more. Right. So the idea of a seed. Idea of a parable, the idea of a seed. Let's just talk about the three different types of soil. He says there are three types of heart or soil that will stop the Word of God producing this amazing life. There are three responses from your heart and mine that will stop the seed from producing trillions of more seeds in, in life. What are those three? Number one, he said the first type of soil is hard and the seed doesn't even get in. He said the seed goes, it lands on a path and it's hard and the birds just come and take it immediately. It doesn't go into the soil at all. That's the first type. That's a hard heart. That's a heart that has been hardened by maybe listening to what your parents or others have said. People have said, oh, the Bible, religion, ah, forget that old rubbish. It's fables. It's not true. It's myths. And every time you hear the word of God, it just bounces off because you have decided beforehand, I don't want to know this stuff. I'm not interested. I've got a hard heart. Or the other way our hearts can be hard, the Bible says, is when we uh, deaden or dull our consciences, when we decide again and again and again not to listen to God's word, not to follow our conscience, not to obey God's word in our heart, then our heart becomes harder and harder and harder and harder until eventually God's word can come and it just bounces off because we're not soft, we're not listening. That's the first type of soil. I pray I pray that none of us are in that position. If you're there, in the Old Testament, I believe, oh, which prophet was it? I believe it was Hosea. He says, plow up the fallow ground. There's a, there's a, a prophecy where the prophet comes. He says, plow up the fallow ground. He says, your heart is hard. You need to get a plow and start digging and plowing up that, that hard ground. Through years of believing the wrong stuff, through years of just not wanting to hear from God, from not being interested in God. He says, start digging it up. Start plowing. Dig into it and start making it soft. Turning it over. And that comes by breaking before God and saying, God, I'm sorry. That's called repentance. God, I'm sorry. My heart is hard. I want to be soft. I disobeyed you this time, this time, this time. I, I failed to listen to you all these times. God, make my heart soft. I need your seed. I need your word. That's the first type of soil. The second type, he says, is shallow soil. 
And Jesus says that the, the seed lands in the shallow soil and immediately it springs into life. And, and in Mark, he says, they receive the word with great joy. But after a while, when the scorching sun comes up and there's a time of testing or difficulty or adversity or trial, they fall away. In other words, they start as Christians and they end up not being Christians. The seed came in, it produced life. Oh, and it doesn't need to just be they started as Christians and they fell away. It could be every other little seed after you've become a Christian, every time you hear the Word of God, on any issue, baptism, tithing, attending church, praying, fellowship, all these different things. I could hear a word, but if the soil is shallow, that word will die. So what is shallow soil? He says it doesn't have a deep root they receive with joy. You know, when you first hear the Word of God, it's usually, not always, but often in a great environment. There's praise and worship. There's people all around who love Jesus. They're happy. They're full of God's Spirit. And you hear the Word and you say, this sounds great. I like that. I want that. I receive it with joy. And my emotions and, and the, the, that part of me that responds to emotion and, and external stimulus gets excited yes i want god's word but the root that goes deep that'll keep you going through adversity is not emotion please hear me now it's your will i'm going to say that again the root that goes deep into your heart that allows you to stay as a christian is not emotion it's not happiness it's not responding to an external joy or stimulus. Or, it's not, yeah, I love Jesus. That's, that's not what will keep you going. It's great to have that. We love that. It's a good way to start. It's a great way to start your Christian life. But the thing that will keep you going, the root that goes deep, is your will. You say, Greg, what is a will? I'll tell you what a will is. A will is the thing that says, I will. It's not the thing that says, woohoo! It's the thing that says, I will. In the cold, dark, alone times, when it's just you, it's late at night, there's nobody else, there's no external stimulus, and there's no reason to do it, but you say, I will do this. I'm committed to doing this. You know, there's been a move to change the marriage vows. Have you heard about this? There's been a move for the last five or ten years to change the marriage vows. Instead of saying, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. You know what a lot of people are saying now? For as long as we continue to love each other. Not till death do us part. Or else, uh, another very popular one is, for as long as our love shall last. Or, until our time together is over. <laughs> Or well, this one is my favorite. For as long as our marriage shall serve the greatest good. <laughs> What's that all about? It's this pandering to our modern culture, which says it's all about sensation and emotion and feeling, and will has nothing to do with it anymore. And I'm telling you, will is important. Your will, your choice, you're saying, I will do this, whether it feels good or not. 
whether I'm still happy and full of joyful goosebumps or not. I have decided that is the root that goes deep. And if you don't have that, my friend, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. When adversity comes, and it always comes, you will fall away from Jesus. Now, I'm not saying this because I want you to fall away. I pray you don't fall away. But I promise you, if you don't have a root of a will decision that says, I am following Jesus no matter what, for better, for worse, richer, for poorer, sickness and health, I am there. I'm in. I'm fully committed. If you don't have that, when this adversity comes, the word, the seed will not live. Is that okay? Hard word, isn't it? So what do I do about that? I decide today. <laughs> I decide today. You see, you have willpower. You don't realize it. You probably think you don't because the modern world just panders to us so much and everything is about feelings and sensations. So we forget we even have a will. But you have one. It's the most powerful thing in the universe apart from God. Did you know that? The human will is so strong that even God will not overrule it. Do you remember the story of the man who was so full of demons when Jesus said, what's your name, demon? The demon said, legion, because we are many. He was so full of demons, he lived naked in a graveyard far out of the city nearby some pigs. I mean, that's pretty serious, don't you think? How demonized must a person be to live naked in a graveyard with some pigs far out of the city and cut themselves all the time? That's how demonized this guy was. He was so full of demons that he could not function in modern life. But you know what? His will made him come and kneel before Jesus when Jesus landed on the shore. His will. The human will is stronger than any demon. And it's even so strong that God will not overrule it. You have this powerful thing in you called the human will. If you decide something, you can do it. That's what God has put in you. You don't realize it, but it is so strong. Your will is, is iron strong. And all you have to do is stop listening to the devil who says, Ah, oh, it's all about feelings. And just say, I decide today. And then God comes in and he enforces and helps you with making, keeping that decision that you made. Your will is powerful. Even all the demons in hell cannot st stop your will from kneeling before Jesus. Did you know that? It's a powerful thing. Right, the third type of soil. So, the first type is hardness. We need to repent. The second type is shallow. We need to make a decision of our will. Today, you can do that, by the way. You can say, Lord Jesus, I decide today. Not on emotion. Not on whether it's nice or not. Even if the music in Lighthouse gets rubbish. <laughs> Even if we start getting persecuted as Christians. Even if there's not nice Christian TV anymore. Lord, I'm following you. I'm yours. That's it. That's a decision. Okay, I need to move on. As you can tell, I feel strongly about that one. But let's move on. The third type of soil, he says, is good soil. It's nice. It's fertile. It's soft. It's plowed up. It's rich. It's full of nutrients. And there's deep roots there's no rock underneath it's good soil the only problem is there's something else planted in it thorns and weeds and he says the thorns and the weeds grow up with the seed and choke it so that it bears no fruit 
Have you ever seen a Christian who they love God, they know the Bible, they receive God's word, but there just seems to be no fruit coming out of their life. They're just, they're not growing, they're not developing as a Christian. There's no service for the Lord, there's no joy, there's no gifts, ministry, anointing, there's nothing coming out of them. They're just staying the same as they always have. There's no fruit at all. Have you ever seen those Christians? I've seen them. Jesus tells us why that happened. It's not because they're not getting the word and the seed is going in, but there's something else in their heart that they love more than Jesus. And it's choking them. And Jesus said, it's the riches and pleasures and worries of this life. That's what he said. Let me ask you a question, my friend. Is there anything in your life that is more important than Jesus? You say, no, of course not. Okay. Is there anything you wouldn't give up for Jesus? Ooh. Is there anything in your life you would not give up for Jesus? I was, Jesus met a rich young ruler, and he said to him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, do all these things. He said, I've done all of those. Jesus knew the one thing that was a thorn in his life. He says, sell all your possessions. And the man went away sad. We had a man come to our church in the early days of our church. And he loved the Lord and he was worship leader and he was a wonderful guy. And there was one thing in his life that he wouldn't give up. He was a Freemason. And he wouldn't give it up. And he left. And it was amazing to me. I thought, why is that so special to you? Why is that so precious to you? How many of you have seen young Christian men or women who are going out in a relationship with a non-Christian? And it draws them up. They get to, it's fine, everything's going fine. And then God puts his finger on it and says, that's not okay. And they just feel so, oh, and they say, I choose the boyfriend. I choose the girlfriend. Have you seen that? I've seen it many times. Many times. They've got so much of God's life and the seed is growing, but this other thorny weed chokes it. And they can't grow. I've seen it often. What's the thing in your life that you will not give up for God? If it's a choice between that and that, what's the thing that you won't give up? That's a thorn. That's a weed in your life. And it will choke the Word of God and you will be unfruitful. Not that you won't be saved. He doesn't say they're not saved. He just says there's no fruit. But the good soil, plowed up soil, that receives the word of God, produces a crop, 30, 60, 100, a million, a trillion. I mean, there's no limit to how much multiplication can come from one seed from God. Let's stand together. I'm just going to ask the worship guys to play some music for me. Lord Jesus, I just pray, Lord, right now, that my heart, the soil of my life, Lord God, would be soft, ready to receive your word. Lord, I pray that you would change me. Lord, that you would plow up the soil, that you would show me if there's anything in my life that is more important than you. If there's a hardness in my heart that I won't receive your word, or if I am just relying on emotion instead of a decision. Lord, I pray that you would help me today. Because I don't want to leave this place the same as I came, Lord. Help me, Lord Jesus, please. 
Lord, I know your word is powerful. It's full of life. But I pray, God, that my soil, my heart would receive that life today. God, I want to receive all the good things you have for me. All of them. And I pray you'd help me right now, Lord. In Jesus' name.